The Beer and Pretzel Podcast and Trash Talk Podcast are part of the Buttwide, though, and Podfix Networks. Check them out to hear more content from other great podcasters. Hello and welcome to the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. My name is Austin. I'm your host and game master. In this podcast, we play different indie role-playing games. Uh, we play group games with the whole Beer and Pretzel Podcast cast, and I also play solo role-playing games on this show. We also do reviews of the different games that we play and talk to some of the game creators, which is what this episode is all about. I'm here with Brian, who is the creator of Neon Lords, of the toxic wasteland thanks very much for coming on the show oh thanks for having me it's gonna be uh, exciting i'm very looking forward to this this is gonna be one of those games that goes a little bit different in one of the different genres that we haven't played yet we try to play different kinds of genres uh playing of course a traditional fantasy going to sci-fi westerns more comedy based games but this is going to be one that i'm going to ask you about the inspirations for this game but for me, when I was reading it, I got a lot of a combination of Mad Max sprinkled in with kind of like the Borderlands games. Um, I'm not sure if that's kind of like what you were going for. Like what kinds of media inspiration in writing this game for like books, movies, or video games led to this game in terms of its stylization? And can you talk about what made you want to create within this genre for your RPG? Yeah, so a big um, inspiration was like uh, Italian post-apocalyptic movies. That was huge, like Mad Max, Judge Dredd is really big, RoboCop, like on the movie side of things. And then um, game-wise, it was a big um, 80s uh, games workshop, like original uh, Rogue Trader 40, Warhammer 40K, and then like some of the uh, standalone games, like... Um, Chainsaw Warrior is like a solo board game that I like a lot. That was a big influence on it. And uh, pretty much anything that like I liked, I kind of like tossed in at like some point somewhere in the game. So did you say that Italian, was it sci-fi or monster movies you said that led uh, to this? It was a Italian post-apocalyptic movies. So do you have any uh, suggestions on different movies to watch in preparation for this? Yeah, so there is a whole slew of Italian post-apocalyptic movies. Um, a big one is, uh, tw yeah, 2019, After the Fall of New York is, like, a big one. New Bronx Warriors is another big one. Uh, America 3000. And then, like, if you, like, uh, not necessarily post-apocalyptic, but um, Turbo Kid. Oh, yes. Really That's a great movie. Like, that was, yeah, I, I love, love Turbo Kid. That was a huge influence on it. Not and then uh um what was that one Kung Fury? Oh my God, Kung Fury! I love that movie. Yeah, so it was like, I mean, it's not. I don't necessarily would consider those two like crazy influences. More along the lines of just like kindred spirits, because you know, like kind of fell in line with like my like sensibilities and like taste when it comes to like media. Sure, no, that makes sense. It kind of helped shape you to be the writer. That you are today, not necessarily you're writing in that exact genre, but there's things yeah. that you like and you like to write something similar to that. Yep, exactly. And uh, speaking of which, 
kind of with every creative person, every creator has some kind of origin story of how they became the person that creates what they like to create, uh, you know, yet uh, writing in books, games, uh, video games, whatnot. What led you down this path to becoming a tabletop RPG writer? So we were in the middle of a fifth edition campaign and I was just like getting uh, fifth edition fatigue that I know everybody at one point gets. I really wanted to do, I really wanted to play like a masters of the universe style RPG. And then like, um, I didn't really, didn't really go out and look for one. I kind of like started writing my own, but then it kind of just went post-apocalyptic, went like cassette futurism with some running man and predator and uh commando rambo like it just started like having it's like it kind of like got legs and just kind of ran on its own and speaking of uh fifth edition fatigue because you know i've been there that's where um i came up with the idea for this podcast was that fifth edition is great uh D is great it's what uh, led me sort of actually in a lot of ways it kind of led me to the point where i like to write different rpgs or even movies and stuff just from playing D the first time when i was like 10 or so but i made this podcast because there's so many other great games out there so kind of on the same line as talking about movies um, some people have the idea, I don't know if it's true or not, that big blockbusters, the ones with the familiar IPs, are slowly pushing out the smaller budget films out of theaters to make more room for more screens and seats for people to watch their bigger budget films. While Dungeons Dragons has done a ton for the RPG community, and there's a reason why it's the most popular RPG in the world, of course, do you feel at the same time its popularity has also hurt indie RPG creators at the same time, sort of? Because... Unlike with movies, there's a lot of indie creators out there making their own uh, movies, and obviously they don't get paid the same amount as like uh, someone directing the next Transformers movie, but most RPG writers aren't able to have a career as an RPG writer. They have to do it as like a side gig or even as a hobby. So do you think Dungeons & Dragons has hurt RPG creation at the same time or not really? Um, I don't think so, honestly. Like, I think it's opened up a lot more doors, especially with the open gaming license. Like, Wizards of the Coast puts out the rule set for people to make their own games with. So, like, in that regard, I, I feel like they've helped a lot. And realistically, in the sense of like we're like fifth like fifth edition fatigue, people get that, and then they branch out to other things. So, I think it's a good gateway game. Mm. into like role-playing games because then it's like okay well Dungeons and Dragons is cool but like what else is out there yeah very true yeah good gateway game that kind of leads to checking out different genres and different kinds of mechanics and stories that you can create with other games um speaking of mechanics um the game mechanics in your game is based off I gotta double check but it said the BX system which is something I personally never played so can you go into what is that what RPGs inspired this game's mechanics and perhaps setting yeah so BX is the basic edition Dungeons and Dragons that came out like the early 80s it's kind of like a stripped down um D&D back when like uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons and like basic we're kind of like together at the same time you know like a like a junior set to the advanced rules and then so like i kind of based it off that that's kind of like that was like the um foundation and i kind of just built from there i added um my like some my own mechanics and then um 
Dungeon Crawl Classics was a huge influence. Like, would they have like um, their they have a lot of like they use a lot of tables and stuff. So that like inspired me to add a bunch of tables, and then they do a critical hit table for like the dice chain. So like the higher up, like the more strong you are, you you determine what critical hit table you have. But for us, each class has their own critical hit table. So it's not just it's not generic for the classes. Like it's class specific and it's more flavorful for each one. On writing. Because this is actually probably, once we play this, is probably going to be, well, we did play Alien, but this is probably one of the bigger books that we've played. Uh, we traditionally usually play much smaller games, and this is a 200-plus uh, page book. So since you did this mostly by yourself, can you talk about like managing writing and um, be able to squeeze in with what I assume is you also have your normal job and family life and everything. So can you talk about starting kind of like at the beginning of like, how are you able to create this uh, fairly large game? It was very impressive, like how much you were able to put in it and like how long it took and just a process in general. Thank you for the uh, kind words. Yeah, 250 pages exactly in the book. Uh, I don't know. It's just like, like uh, mostly weekends. It took me about two years to write it. And uh, I just, you know, like would sit down. At first, it was, like, all over the place. It was like, well, today I want to write about this. Today I want to write about that. But then I had to get more specific and be like, okay, I need to finish this section. I need to finish this section. And then, like, it kind of just... I kind of just had a basic outline of, like, what I wanted and then just filled out each section as I went. And then um, the big thing, which, like, was good and bad at the same time, was towards the end, I started just writing right into the uh, layout like the book layout program, which is not a good idea because then if it's gone, you know, like usually I write in Google Docs. So like it's saved into the, the cloud and stuff and I can get it on my phone if I have notes or anything. But if it's on the, the laptop and like the laptop goes and dies, then the book's gone, you know. Mm. So like it was like a double edged sword, but it was just so much easier just to be laying out a page and then like seeing, OK, well, I have like half a page left like what can i put in that spot and then just write it up on the fly that definitely helped but hurt since you spent like two years working on it something that when i'm like writing like different like short film scripts or just work on different projects in general something at least for me i'm sure other creative people as well is hard is trying to stay on top with the one thing you're trying to get done over this yeah. two-year period, did you have struggles like sometimes go, oh, maybe now I want to try this different kind of game or I want to start working on this or I'm getting sick of writing this, so I'm going to take a long period of time off because I've been working on this for so long? Yeah, a little bit. Not as bad as I as I usually get. Like I was surprisingly pretty focused. I'm pretty shocked that I got 250 pages completed. But like, yeah, usually like I would bounce around like a billion different ideas. But then like sometimes like a mechanic – like, I was like, oh, man, I wish I could do that mechanic. But it was, like, way too late in the process of, like, making it that it was like, well, well, that's not going to happen. So, like, uh, some of that happened a lot. But a lot of the times it either got added to the, the page count, kept making it get bigger, or it just got put to the side. Or a lot of times it was more along the lines of adventure, like, adventure ideas. It's like, oh, that would make a real cool adventure. And then I would write up a little paragraph and... 
it would be in a Google Doc somewhere, and then I would come back, you know, I'll come back to it eventually. Or so like the next two big supplemental books I'm thinking about doing is like um, a deities, like a gods, uh, like the Pantheon supplement, and like vehicles is another supplement. So like a lot of times, some stuff it's like okay, I'll save that for this this book, or I'll save that for this book. So that that kind of helped a lot too. In keeping it more focused. Vehicles, that sounds kind of like kind of something that would be really fun to implement into this more. So when you're thinking vehicles, and obviously you have not written out fully yet, like what line are you kind of going with? Are you kind of going with like super crazy like Borderlands kind of vehicles or Mad Max style or more grounded like Fallout sort of? Or what are you thinking for this world would make sense for vehicles? The, the, the mostly the vehicles I've started on was like skateboards and BMX bikes. Mm. Like I, I did um there like last month I threw out on itch like uh like skateboard light rules that just mess around with. But I know like uh um like putting stickers on them and stuff like has different abilities. But yeah, like so I was thinking like really small from skateboard all the way up to like um like the Ninja Turtle party party wagon, like kind of like that, like like Mad Max, like hodgepodge kind of like vehicles rolling around all the way up to like uh, some like alien tech vehicles. I was going to kind of go all over the place with it, I think, like kind of just another big book full yeah. of crazy stuff. We've right in the, an RPG. Did you do the uh, game layout or was someone else hired to do that? No, I I did the layout. Oh, you did? Okay. Okay, so that kind of works perfect for my next question. So in writing this, which I assume is your, like, big, or maybe it's your first and only RPG you've done so far, or maybe there's been other smaller ones, but I assume this is the biggest game you've created, right? Yeah, yep. So what was the hardest part of this? Because, of course, besides writing, it sounds like you just said you did the game layout, but you also had to do a lot in terms of setting up and designing a Kickstarter. I'm sure you did a lot for stuff online, uh, like media, like getting together a good Facebook group to build a community. Like, what is the hardest hat to put on and try to do well to help your game succeed? It's definitely marketing, doing the social medias, and um and like getting yourself out there because you could have literally like the Mona Lisa of RPGs and no nobody's gonna play it if they don't know you exist. Exactly. Like that's the problem. Like there's a lot of games out there, so it's like differentiate, like differ. Yeah, that word. Like making yourself stand out when it comes to like other games is a huge thing. Like, because then you got to be like, well, why play X when I have Y? You know, you have to convince them that they need X mm. is a is a big thing. And just getting, like, the name out there. Because, like, I mean, we got a pretty good community online. Like, it's not, it's not like, huge. But, like, you know, they're they're very animate. And they, they like the game a lot, which is awesome. And then, like, we just went to uh, PAX Unplugged in the beginning of December. Like, mid-December. And, um... I mean, we ran we ran games the whole weekend, and like the, we had full tables every time, but nobody heard of the game, you know. So it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm out there, but like, it's hard. It's unfortunately hard to like with you know with putting no money into like advertising and marketing and stuff. 
It's, it's just kind of like with movie. There's plenty of great movies out there that just bombed just because unfortunately the marketing department didn't do a good job of getting the word out there on it and not enough people saw it. And there's a ton well, of amazing RPGs out there, but maybe if that's not your forte, it might not get played as much even if it's a terrific game. Right, exactly. Yeah, like the Dread, the 2012 Dread movie, like it's like the perfect exactly. movie, but like it bombed in the box office. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're never going to get that sequel, probably. No, I know there's talks of like a, a TV show, but I doubt that's going to happen. Mm. Oh, that'd be really cool, though, if that happens. Um, so in orchestrating the art layout, so something that stands out a lot for Neon Lords is a stylization of its art, which is like, you know, drenched in bright neon colors, very stylized and cartoonish. Um, in working with your artists, how does a collaboration between you guys work and how did you find the right guy for what was initially in your head when you were writing the game? So when it came to art, um, Mustafa's the guy who did 80% of it, of all the art. And um, I saw like a t-shirt he did for like a murder hobo that had that like grim, dark, like old hammer, like 80s games workshop style that like I knew I wanted. I was like, that's the look that I need. And then I kind of like pitched, you know, elevator pitched in the game and kind of explained like, well, this character, like this class does this, this class is this. And then he like tossed up a couple sketches and like, he got it instantly. He's like, got the concept, got like the post-apocalyptic cassette futurism like vibe. And then like it clicked from there for Mustafa, but then like everyone else that I like, I kind of grabbed, I, I like saw him online or like on instagram or something i was like liked their style and then like i did the same thing like kind of like pitched them it's like okay for like could you do like this like chris carmen did uh the bixby snyder art in the book and like um i was like i need you know like i explained him what i needed and he like nailed it every time everybody i worked with nailed it like perfectly i couldn't have asked for better artists honestly I definitely love the stylization of it, and it definitely feels like you had a perfect idea of what you wanted, and they, they, they did a great job of delivering it. So since we've already talked a little bit about the mechanics, some inspiration that led to the game, something I guess we haven't talked about that we probably should do is that for those who have not played or even heard about your game, um, that maybe are just listening to this kind of blindly, can you go over like a pitch of like, if you like this kind of game or this kind of movie, like this is kind of what the game is about and, you know, set it and whatnot. Yeah. So it's like, like I was saying, post-apocalyptic cassette futurism to where like, like, in, like uh, there was a big war in the early nineties, I think 92, we said it. And then, um, so the technology from like the late eighties, early nineties, has far surpassed us as like the humans that live on the earth now, like thousands or millions of years into the future where it's been like, like magic added to it. So like more of like a, like a sci-fi fantasy element to eighties technology, if that makes any sense. Um, w like, uh, with some Mad Max added in and escape from New York and master of the universe. Um, just wild eightiesness all thrown in a blender and then shot out of a shotgun while listening to some heavy metal, I guess. And just the name alone, <laughs> Neon Lords of Toxic Wasteland, you kind of get what you're going to play just by that title. And yeah. also something I really like 
and love actually is the uh, different group of classes you can pick from. So there's, I believe, 11 or 12 with the secret class in it. And um, it's just an amazing group of different kinds of classes. Definitely not like your typical Dungeon and Dragons. There is a cyborg horse race, the Brutacorn, uh, Cyberskin Ronald Reagan, Star Spawn Aliens, and more. And while I'm sure it's kind of like picking your favorite child or kid, gun to your head, what is the favorite class that you're most proud of creating? My favorite is the Heather class. So Heather is an acronym for Hellcat Eradication and Termination Heavy Enhanced Rangers. And they were a small unit employed during the Neon Wars that kind of like fell to the wayside. And then they found their like super, like super soldier serum. And then they came back into the, to the well, modern age for the game. And then what better way to live a life as a Heather now and then to adventure so like uh, I like their backstory, and then they're really good at like um, like using rifles. And then they uh, can like affix like a Rambo knife onto the end of their um, rifle, and then they're pretty good at melee as well. And they got some pretty cool abilities. They're my favorite, and then my second favorite, if I have to choose one real fast, is the Cosmic Barbarian, just because mm. they you know snort cosmic <laughs> dust to get their um, their uh barbarian rage yeah do you have any plans in the future for different rpgs or right now are you only focused on different supplements for neon lords i wouldn't mind doing another game but i don't really know what it would be at this point Mm. i definitely like supplements because there's like so much like you can explore in this uh in like this universe of it like the you know the 80s 80s 90s nostalgia mixed with science fiction fantasy like there's just it's insane like the amount of stuff like I still come up with ideas like like 250 pages later and I'm still coming up with stuff like definitely going to stick with Neon Lords for a while. Yeah, speaking of which, so when you just said you had, uh 250 pages is the main book for people to play around with, but you are still developing different ideas. When you were just working on the main book before work on everything else, was there like different like maybe uh different chapters or different rules um or different um ideas you wanted to put in there that you were like, "All right, this is going to take too long if I keep adding all these ideas, so I need to start cutting this stuff out." No, I actually did not cut anything. I think it was actually surprisingly like a pretty easy process. Like some other like like projects I've had, you know, throughout my life of other stuff that just never made it like writing a movie or trying to start a zine or something like she never gets off the ground because you got like, you know, your mind goes a million different places and you could just never get like one thing done. But I don't know, for some reason, like this book was just in me and it just came out and it was like scarily easy to get it done what are you playing right now if you ever have time to besides your own games and i'm sure play testing different things and uh introducing players to your game are you playing any other games DD or other rpgs right now or not really i know we're trying to get an alien game going like with my local like my local buddies and like cyberpunk is always i always want to get that going too but unfortunately it's neon lords 24 7 for me I got to just keep keep with the brand and like the what little time I have, like I have to devote it to playing, which kind of stinks. But, you know, it's the nature of the beast, really. 
at this point, I just end up collecting RPG books and then looking at them rather than get to play them. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, they just they look pretty on your shelf, but who knows if you'll ever get the chance to actually play them. Um, yeah. And that's something that a lot of creators say is that they try to get the chance to play over games, but they're so busy working on their own game they don't have time, obviously. So how much like play testing, at least for your game, went into it before you were like, okay, this is ready to get released officially? I'd say we play tested up through the Kickstarter, probably like realistically play tested all the way up to the final draft that right before it got sent out to the printer, really. When the PDF got done with the bookmarks and everything. And then, you know, there's some like last minute tweaks that I wanted to do, like for, we found in play testing. It's like, all right, well, maybe I'll change it. And then. It kind of just I had to I had to like lock it in because like I could have, you know, you know, tweaked the game forever. But at some point you got to just be like, that's enough. That's good. And for RPG writers out there, inspiring RPG writers, what single piece of advice would you give someone for someone who wants to jump into the world of writing their own game? I would say just like stick with it. Like don't quit. Just keep writing. Even if you write like a, a sentence a day, just as long as you keep the engine of progress running, like and just keep going, keep going, it'll you'll eventually get a book. You'll eventually get it done. Awesome. And where can people find Neon Lords, a toxic wasteland? I'm sure there's a couple, but where are the main places people can check it out, but also you and maybe any other things that you've been working on and will work on? So the drive through RPG is big. That's where the, the PDF is. Unfortunately, we do not have a print-on-demand version yet. It's like a whole like uh, formatting issue that that's boring and technical stuff. Um, so there's no print on demand of that yet, but if you go to gamefound.com, um, for late backers, I ordered a bunch of extra books. So there's a bunch of hardcovers floating around that people can snag up until they're all gone. That's awesome. And, uh, Brian, thank you very much for coming on our show and talk, talking about, uh, Neon Lords of Toxic Wasteland. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. And to our listeners, I will be putting down um, the drive through RPG. And what was the other place people can get the hardcover copy of it? Uh, GameFound.com, or you can literally just message me on Facebook, and I will get you one. Oh, awesome. I'll put some links down in the description below uh, where to check out Brian and uh, Neon Lords of Toxic Wasteland. And um, we have episodes out every week every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. and most Fridays at 10 a.m. And if you enjoyed this episode, stay tuned because I'm going to be playing the solo rules for Neon Lords. And once our group comes back, if you've been missing the rest of the group, apologize to that. Um, some of our members have been getting COVID, so it's been tough to get everyone together as COVID uh, has been rising, unfortunately, in Vermont, where we're based out of. So right now, it's going to be a lot of solo games in the near future, but... With that, I'll be playing Neon Lords of Toxic Wasteland very soon on our spinoff show, Forever a Gnome. Thanks for listening, and we'll hear from you next time on the Beer and Pretzel Podcast.